All right, and we're back with another episode. I will get us start off with a little bit of history. Um, today is June 19th, 2022. And on this day in 1973, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, the stage production of it first opened in London. And uh, it's gone on to become a cult classic, um, both on film, on stage, and wherever it can be performed. So, yeah. So. I don't know. I didn't think it had been around that long since the 70s. I didn't know that. I just figured sometime then. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It always seemed very 80s to me, but yeah. Yeah, that's true. That is true. All right. Secondly, in 1992, Batman Returns, starring Michael Keaton, Dan DeVito, and Michelle Pfeiffer, premiered. And uh, I. I, I think that was the first Batman film. It was the second. Oh, the second, okay, yeah. Yeah, because Batman would have been in 89. Okay, okay. So, yeah. Um, then in 2009, Transformer Revenge of the Fallen was released. And in 2014, Transformers Age of Extinction was released. And when I was putting these in, I, I don't know, I think when we were going to see these movies and they were coming out, I don't think I realized just like how big they were, but now they're like the, they were like the equivalent of the Marvel movies now. Like they were huge summer blockbusters. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that and Harry Potter, they're kind of running things each year. And so, and then 2015, uh, Pixar's Inside Out came out, which I'm not sure what people expected when that first, Mm-hmm. theaters but it, it it was pretty well liked and i think it may have even been nominated for something so yeah it was definitely a game changer for pixar story right. storytelling wise yeah right right one likes film the other tv together they chronicle life in the peak entertainment era it's a streamable life If you're hearing this, we thank you for pressing play on another edition of It's a Trimble Life podcast with Brandon and Lauren. This week, we'll dive into the predictions for best comedy series for the Emmy nominations, and we will begin recapping season three of Evil as our previously on segment returns. But first, let's get into what's news. All right, there is a lot happening in the news lately. Um, For starters, last week, Disney Plus announced that they're working on a Wonder Man series. Um, And this will be directed by Daniel Desencritton. Let me try to have his name right. Because I could, yes, Daniel Desencritton. No, Desen Daniel Creighton, who um, directed Shang-Chi for the Marvel Universe. And he's also working on another series for Disney Plus as well. Um, Wonder Man is one of Marvel's oldest superheroes, allegedly. Um, And he kind of came up during like the WandaVision uh, time that was airing. So it'll be interesting to see what this series uh, will bring about. Okay. Uh, Secondly, TV Guide released their top 100 shows on TV right now. They do this annually uh, just to see what people should be watching before the year's end. And we won't get into all the, the 
picks because there's a lot, but their top 10 is pretty um, expected. Yeah. So at number 10, they have Amazon's The Boys, the yeah. graphic novel come to life. Number nine is HBO's The Righteous Gemstones. Number eight is Paramount Plus's Evil, which we'll get to later. Number seven is X's Atlanta, which is in its third season. Six is HBO's Barry, which just uh, finished its, what, third season? Third season, yeah. yeah. Weekend. Yep. Number five is Apple's Pachinko, excellent series. Number four, HBO Succession, uh, which will start filming season four, I believe, sometime this summer. Okay. Number three is Apple TV Severance. This seems to be the breakout hit of the season so far, and definitely for Apple TV. Okay. Number two is AMC's Better Call Saw, which will come to a close later this summer. And for number one, it's a network show, Abbott Elementary, over at ABC. Mm, it's well-deserved, too. Yes, yes, definitely well-deserved. So if you want to get into the full list, just go to tvguide.com, and you can look at what 100 shows you probably should be watching or are already watching or some shows you've never heard of. <coughs> Excuse me. And finally, on my newsreel, Beyonce is coming. <laughs> July 29th, we will get yeah. her seventh studio album titled Act One Renaissance. Yeah. Um, you can purchase uh, one of four box sets that will sh start shipping on the 29th. I purchased mine already. Oh, um, wow. And the box set number four is already sold out. I'm thinking a lot of people bought that one just because four is like her favorite number and they're thinking right, right. Of specials with that. Um, but only clues we have of this album, it's supposed to be sort of like uh, reminiscent of dance music from the 2000s, late 90s. I know she is, was speculated to have been working with a lot of legendary house music uh, producers. So it's supposed to get something for, I guess, the dance floor. Well, that's good. Yeah, and that's a that's a theme that's happening. We'll skip Drake and what he put out this weekend, mm. but um, I think a lot of artists are reverting back to old times. You had Jesse Ware went straight back to the seventies. You had uh, I don't listen to him that much, but Harry Styles has kind of gone instrumental, and it's just a thing that I think a lot of musicians are doing is trying out wow. different styles. So. Yeah, definitely, and she she has sort of reference wanting to get to a time to represent like. So like freedom and expression and fun, given, you know, the shit ton of stuff that's happening exactly. currently. So definitely looking forward to this project. Yeah, I think that's going to be a, a gym this summer. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I'll get started on mine. I do not have very happy news. <laughs> um, first story is about director Paul Haggis. And for those who don't know, he directed 2004 crash um and he's done other things but he was detained today in uh, the southern italian town of ostuni on charges of sexual assault um apparently a young woman who is not from italy went into the police and said that she's pressing charging against against him that you know he had like uh, forced her to engage in sex over the course of two days that he was in this town and he was in this town to like give a master class 
about film. And so they arrested him before he left. And to kind of add to this, which makes it crazier, when Me Too was kicking off, his name was in there. Um, uh, hold on, let me see if I can find it. Uh, her name was Haley Breest. Uh, she sued Paul Haggis in 2018, saying that he had violently raped her in an apartment in New York City after the premiere of, um, hold on. Oh, after some random premiere in 2013. And then once that allegation came out, uh, I think three more women came forward with other incidents of sexual misconduct against him. So, yeah, this, it, is, this is not good. Not good. No, 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 not good at all for him. So I don't know, we'll see what comes of it. And if I'm not mistaken, not that I wanna paint people with like a bad brush, but he was deep into the Scientology game for a long uh, time. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if he is anymore, so. Yeah, and we know that they, one of their rules is like, you can't press charges against other Scientologists. Like we've seen. Right similar things with um Danny Masterson from that right. show right. like the church has defended him until of late as he's faced rape charges as well right exactly yeah not good and then secondly um in a story that um won't go away and maybe it shouldn't go away just yet but a juror came out from the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial and this was one of the five men that was of the seven person jury. And he gave kind of his reasoning about why they didn't believe her. And it was just the most, I don't know how to explain it, dumb shit ever, but they he said that they didn't trust her because she would be crying and then she'd immediately go back to be smiling and would be cold again. And then she would cry. And they kind of used to think of, she's using the big crocodile tears to get, um, uh, just like sympathy. And so they literally just said that um, they, they just believed that more mainly because he seemed more emotional. And it's just like, what? So yeah, it didn't make sense. It's, it's no. the exact reason why people, victims of assault and rape and trauma on the stand never really works in their favor either way, either they're too emotional and people don't believe them or they're not emotional enough and people don't believe them. Like what, right. what was she supposed to do on the stand? Like if she was right. calm like Johnny Depp recounting her trauma, they would say she's not, she doesn't she's not emotional face. enough. Yeah. Right. So it, it, yeah, I don't know why we are interviewing him anyway. Why he right. did yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, in Obits, um, Tim Sale passed away, and he was a legendary comic book artist, most known for his work in the Batman uh, comics. He was known for um, the long Halloween art. He was only 66 years old. So oh, wow. it, it seems um, the comic world is kind of losing a lot of people. I, I've just seen a lot of, in recent news, a lot of artists and writers passing um, yeah. within the last few months. So. Um, RIP to him. Over in trailer things, we got two very different trailers this past week. Um, HBO released a longer season four trailer for Westworld, which arrives next Sunday on the 26th. Um, <clears throat> we got a longer look of this current world where 
Avon Rachel Wood is playing a new character and she just senses that something is wrong with the world she's in. Um, you've got other characters returning, Jeffrey Wright, uh, Thondue Newton, uh, Tessa Thompson, Ed Harris, and it appears that Tessa and Ed Harris's characters are somehow scheming to sort of ruin the human race for the persecution the droids had experienced. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. That's that's what I could deduce get from yeah from from what I saw. Yes. Um, I, oh, it's gonna, it's definitely gonna be one of those things. It's gonna take like a couple episodes to get it. Yeah, but it looks pretty, of course. Um, everyone looks excellent. Um, I'm very excited for it to come back, but yes, it's going to be yeah. a head scratcher. I'm glad you said that everybody looks excellent because whenever Westworld comes back, I'm just like, like no nobody's rocking that haircut the way Evan Rich Wood is. Right. It just it seems to just fit her so naturally and so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, that premieres June 26th. I'm sure it's like 9 p.m. Yeah, like HBO Max. Check your level listings. And then over at Netflix, we received the first teaser for the highly anticipated uh, Anna de Armas film Blonde. Yeah. Um, she's starring as Marilyn Monroe in a movie that's supposed to depict the two sort of different personas the actress, right. the public figure had to portray behind the scenes and in front of the camera. <clears throat> um, there wasn't much from this trailer other than her sort of, I guess, getting into character. Right, right. Um, before a shoot or something like that. Um, seems like the film's only been getting hyped because of its NC-17 rating, which means it's like worse than R, but... Yeah, like there's like, I think for NC it's like sex and I guess it's graphic sex. I, I'm not sure. It's it's really kind of ticky-tacky stuff how you get that rating. Yeah. Right, right. So that's what they're pushing for this film. Hopefully it's good. Um, yeah. Netflix is out here swinging for Oscar bait. I will say though, I was very much in doubt how this would work, but she, she does favor her. Yeah, she does look her yeah. a lot, and there are other screenshots yeah. of them like replicating certain moments um, yeah. online, and she does. She she looks like Marilyn, aka Norma Jean, or whatever her real name was. So yeah, I think it was. So yeah, it should be interesting, and um, that's not until November. If I'm not mistaken. Right, right in the bed for Oscar right. season. So <laughs> we'll see how it does. Yeah. And then in the box office, um, Jurassic World Dominion sort of punched Lightyear out. Um, folks really expected Lightyear to do high numbers given it was in like the Toy Story universe, but it sort of underperformed with a total of 86 million. Wow. I saw there was a little bit of pushback over the weekend, like people complaining that Tim Allen wasn't in it or something. It was really strange. Yeah, that that was weird. And then Patricia Heaton came forward arguing that yeah. they should have cast Tim Allen. I was like, y'all calm down. 
Right, like, shut up. Yeah, it was dumb. Um, yeah, Dr- Jurassic World took the weekend. Um, but yeah, Lightyear sort of underperformed in high. I'm not sure what exactly happened. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Just those things happen, so. I still hear it's a pretty decent film, so. I mean, it looked decent. Yeah. That's our What's New segment. We'll now get into our pick six. Uh, for the past weekend, what did you watch? I was able to knock out a lot of things. And randomly, it seems like a lot of movies went to streaming this weekend. So um, let's see what's the list. Uh, the first thing I watched <laughs> was Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. And this was a film in Sundance that right after Sundance ended earlier this year, it got bought up. And everybody was talking about how raw and honest and just kind of fun it was and it was all those things it's very um like I, w- I would say lighthearted, but it's very kind of warm and uh, an accepting film and about sex positivity and body positivity and all these other things but just you know the basics the basis of it is that um oh my god what emma thompson's character is in her 60s she's never had an orgasm before and now she is seeking that, just trying to have life experiences. And so what she does is that she hires a sex worker whose name is Leo Grand, and um, they just kind of have this experience together. And it's not, there's much more talking than there is sex and nudity, but it, it's still really good because it's, you know, it's a conversation that you had. I think Emma Thompson came out earlier this week and did like a little interview saying that, you know, at no point in life and nowhere in life, do we prioritize the pleasure of, of women? And this movie is all about that. So it's really good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, so it's on Hulu is where it's streaming. And then uh, another film that was really big at the Sundance circuit, all the film circuits, and is The Worst Person in the World. And um, this is a film about a young woman who is just kind of like, lost and indecisive doesn't really know where she wants to go in terms of love and her career and you kind of follow her around as she makes these bad decisions and um starting from like uh it, it i think the thing is is like it's four different years in her life and okay. uh yeah so then that's how we get it but if i'm not mistaken i think one thing that kind of made it interesting was that she usually we get the story about like a like a uh a young like 20s type person but if I'm not mistaken I think she's she's kind of a little bit older than that she's like already in her 30s and just kind of like yeah so I don't know it's interesting it was good a little long it's like almost two and a half hours if I'm not mistaken but not too bad and then lastly I watched this really strange film I can't remember what I heard about it but I heard good things but it's called You Won't Be Alone and this was on Peacock and it stars Numi Rapace. And it kind of follows the story of almost like um, a fairy tale type thing. There's like a witch and it, it's, it's so, so good, but so, so difficult to, to explain. Um, but I'll try to give a basic. There's a witch who in the very beginning tries to steal a woman's baby. And to stop that witch from doing that, this woman promises to have, to give the baby up. And um, she keeps this baby away from danger, away from life. And the baby ends up being mute. And 
when she's 16, she goes out. The thing is, she gains power from the witch and she's able to transform and shape shift people. And it, it sounds like a lot, but when you watch it, it makes so much more sense. And it's, it's really, really good. And so, yeah, and that is what I've watched. All righty. Uh, for me, I'm doing a rewatch of the 2014 series Manhattan. Um, mm. Yes, I was at, while at AT, ATX TV Festival, they had a um, panel with the creator and writer and director. And that sort of like yeah. sparked a resurgence interest back into the series. Um, so I watched the first two episodes. I hope to to watch three episodes a week kind of sort of the first season so far but if if you're unfamiliar Manhattan was a show created by Sam Shaw in 2014 that aired on WGN and was basically about the scientists and families at the center of the making of the atom bomb so it's set at Los Alamos New Mexico in a city that basically did not exist um and the scientists were there to work on the atom in total secrecy. They couldn't tell their families, others, what the project was. And it was just sort of like the beginning of really governmental secrets. Like the government is always secretive, but like this was like the beginning of, I don't know what you want to call it, but sort like, of like that distrust. Like there's the government and then there's like the people, like a, like a, a definitive line was drawn right like the government and then like b613 from like scan right like right that kind of shit um but it was really well done unfortunately it only lasted two seasons um it is airing or it is streaming on prime i believe okay um but yeah it starred john benjamin um hickey it starred ashley zuckerman uh a young Rachel brosnahan uh, young David Harbour before like Stranger Things and everything like the cast is incredible a lot of stars before they were who they are today um, and and what should we call it and it Katya Herbers from Evil yes Katya Herbers was on there very young yeah. um and I think the funny thing is I think Rachel Brosnahan may have had House of Cards and then this and then uh-huh. Marvel's Mrs. Maisel's like it was very much a starter series yeah. for a lot of the act, young actors on there. Um, she always yeah. trips me. She always trips me out, Rachel Brotherham, because she's, I think we're like the same age. I always feel like I always thought she was older just because you see her so much. But right, right, yeah. So yeah, that should be interesting to walk down memory lane, um, mm-hmm. sort of reexamine that show. <clears throat> And then over at Netflix, I watched the film Spiderhead. Um, this is from the director of Top Gun Maverick, and it starred Chris Hemsworth, Miles Teller, and Journey Smollett. It was based on a short story about a um, penitentiary where the prisoners sort of have more freedom, but they agree to be guinea pigs on these new drugs um, that sort of control your emotions. And it was supposed to be a psychological thriller and there wasn't much thriller or psychological to it. It was very kind of straightforward. Um, yeah, it was fine. Um, Miles Teller was okay. Um, Journey, I mean, she does well 
all the time with what she's given. Chris was really impressive. Um, you rarely see okay. him as, I guess, a villain type. Um, but the movie was just okay. There, I thought there was going to be kind of, sort of more to the plot, but there really wasn't. Um, but if you want to check it out, it's on Netflix. Mm. So that's what I watched this weekend. And when we return, we will get into our awards watch and feature presentation. We are back and we're going to get into our rewards watch. Um, this week, the Emmy noms voting began. So by July, we should have the official nominee nominations announced um, for the ceremony in September. But first, uh, we'll get into those that are running for a spot as uh, a spot for best series comedy. Um, there were a lot of new comedies this, well, not a lot. There were a few new comedies and a lot of um, returning ones that right. came back. So um, let's see, last year's winner was, of course, Apple TV's Ted Lasso. And let's see who will be in the running this year. So our other top tier contenders is a third tier here. And from the bottom up, just to let you know this is the top 20. That's good. Yeah. Uh, we have HBO's And Just Like That, the Sex and the City revival. Yeah. Um, Hulu's Pin 15 and The Great, both interesting period uh, comedies. Yeah. Uh, Netflix's nostalgia hit Cobra Kai. Uh, HBO Max's The Flight Attendant with uh, Kelly Kuko. FX's uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Netflix's Russian Doll. HBO's Insecure, which had its final season this year, Apple TV's The After Party, and FX's Atlanta. Hmm. That's a very large and sturdy third tier. Yeah, I think, hmm, I, don't, I don't know of those that would really move up, but what I was going to say, if you go down to the awesome contention, I keep hearing so much about our flag means the death that I wouldn't be surprised if that somehow yeah is around when all this comes out it's one of those shows that it doesn't feel like a lot of people are watching but people love it so yeah i've heard great things about it um yeah. i would expect atlanta to sort of move up just because of its history at the emmys right um, right it's sort of like a uh the emmys love like atlanta yeah. um, I, I don't see the flight attendant as a comedy it's like a, a dramedy. I, yeah. it, it definitely, I think the first season leaned more into the comedy. Yeah. Um, but I guess it, it is kind of labeled as a comedy series technically, but I, I did enjoy the first season more than this season. Okay. So um, a lot of people like The Great as well. Yeah, oh, no, that is, that is very funny. Everybody on that show is good. I could definitely see that moving up. So. Yeah, and then our second tier is only two spots. Uh, HBO's Curb Your Enthusiasm, which that could definitely be lower on this list. Yeah. It's in its like 18th season. We can- Yeah, right. It's like, why is it still on? We can let that go. Uh, and then Reservation Dogs definitely deserves a spot. So hopefully that moves up. And then in the top rank area, we have CBS's Ghost, which is like one of the breakout hits of the year. 
especially for broadcasts. Um, ABC's Blackish, which had its final season this year. Amazon's The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which has won in previous years. HBO's Barry returned this season. Hulu's only merge in the building was definitely a hit for the streaming service. Uh, Apple TV's Ted Lasso. Uh, ABC's Abbott Elementary, which is sort of like everyone's um, sort of like underdog front runner. And HBO's Hacks, which I still need to finish season two of. Yeah. I, it's got to be Abbott Elementary for me. I don't think. Yeah. I think it just really took people by surprise, one, maybe not to know what to expect, but then once it got rolling, it was consistent every week. So I exactly. think that will win. And that's who I want to win. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It it was like the biggest hit for right. ABC in years. So yeah. um and it, it hits all the boxes, diversity, um, include like all that stuff. It's, it right. should definitely definitely get his flowers so ho- hoping for the best for Abbott elementary and all its players again the emmys air september 12th at 8 p.m on nbc uh, the voting has begun and will wrap sometime in july and then i think it's like july 17th we'll get the nominations announced so we'll be discussing those when that happens And now we're at our feature presentation, which is our previously on. Uh, this past week, we had the season premiere of Evil for the third season over at Paramount Plus. And we are now two episodes deep into the third season. Um, some reason you're not familiar with the show, it is by Robert and Michelle King. Um, originally premiered on CBS in 2019, I believe. Uh, I th- I think so yeah yeah the fall 2019 um became a sleeper hit out of nowhere um but it was shifted to the streaming service paramount plus where it of course got more creative freedom um and now we're on the third season so as just a recap season two ended with um our characters david played by mike coulter accepting his calling to the priesthood officially being ordained as a priest. Um, you had Katja Erber's Kristen sort of finally being exorcised um, yeah. by the demon she was possessed with um, and seemed to be sort of returning to normal. And then you had Ben played by Asif Madiv, who struggled this season with sort of like his core beliefs um he is sort of like the atheist of the group but he found himself sort of spiraling belief wise um right. as his his non-belief was pushed to the test in season two so we basically pick up where we left off david and Kristen sort of confessing their feelings for each other yeah. um and that's where we are in episode one with the demon of death uh, what were your thoughts on the premiere episode? Uh, I won't lie. There were a lot of moments where I was very confused. It took me a long time to realize like what was happening when he kept having those uh, kind of like dream slaps, visions of um, her coming back to him. 
Mm-hmm. And initially, once I picked it, I was, I was like, okay, I got it now. But yeah, right at the start, I was like, what the hell am I watching? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> there were, it seemed like there was a lot going on in the first episode. All of it good, but... Um, yeah, there there was quite a bit. So we had, um, like you said, David and Kristen sort of confessing their feelings for each other. And David is then... Um, tempted by who he thinks is Kristen and has you know sex with who he thinks is Kristen but later we we discover that it's a demon that's sort of like playing with his head because he even approaches Kristen and asks about you know their deed and she's like what are you talking about I didn't come back so David is being haunted um at the same time Kristen is being somewhat haunted because her husband Andy is back and they are supposed to play One Big Happy Family once again. Um, But between her feelings for David and her mother, Cheryl, and the beef that Andy and her share, things are a bit complicated. Um, And we have the showdown between Andy and Cheryl, how he wants her out of the house because he's there now. And he also was spooked because he came in on her and thinks he saw a demon perched on her bed yeah her bed and i mean he probably did because she's you know working for the devil now right um and he discovers like her little altar yeah like right right with the shrunken brain or head. head yeah yep and try to flush it and <laughs> it didn't work it didn't work and we see how that has continued on into the second episode um but yeah and then with ben he seems to be sort of correcting his his um reins a bit con- correcting his his uh thoughts and everything he's kind of right. this but um we'll i think we're going to see that by the second episode the developments with david and his other missions, Ben is going to have another um, another mission as well to find out exactly what David is up to. Right, right. Um, but uh, apart from their personal arcs, episode one um, sort of focused on a machine that was supposed to weigh the, uh, for the, weigh the, lack of a better term, right. the soul. Um, right once someone passes away. So we had a dying priest played by Wallace Shawn, a very popular actor, well-known actor, who's uh, dying of cancer. Um, He has agreed to this experiment to pass in sort of like this incubator that's supposed to uh, weigh the mass that sort of leaves the body as you pass away. They're all there witnessing this and Apparently, a, a mass does leave him, but then he doesn't die. He sort of beats death. Yeah, right. And when he returns, he's like a totally different person. Right. He's happier. He's obviously healthier. But yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't know what to make of that either. But yeah, it was very interesting. I think what was more interesting is the person he was after that experience was totally different so so much different that he and um the monsieur agreed for him to find another church yeah 
which was very interesting. Like just the way he and um, the father's relationship sort of changed. I don't know if there was something more there. Possibly. That's kind of what they hinted at. Yeah. I that, at least that's what I felt. Yeah, it seemed like maybe they both, either he felt something for the preacher they both did that maybe they had repressed prior and with his new zeal on life he was sort of like seeking it and that was not appropriate so he was he was reassigned to the church um which is very interesting um and then we come to oh also in the first episode you had um Kristen find out that Leland had been sort of approaching Lexi, one of her daughters, at school, um, just trying to play with her, manipulate her, again, their business, whatever. And she puts a halt to that, but Leland finds a way to talk to the girl, which sort of backfires. (laughs) Right, that game. (laughs) Yes, Uh, the game sort of like, I don't know what you call it, sort of like a chat room, but with avatars and everything. And surprisingly, she knows that it's him. And she plays along and gets her sisters involved to where they basically drive Leland insane to where he doesn't want to play anymore. (laughs) So I I really like that. Um, And you have the showdown between Andy and Cheryl um, where he wants her out of the house, given that he's home now and they don't need her uh, assistance anymore. And she basically tells him, you don't want to fuck with me. And lines have been drawn the battle is on that's going to be an interesting uh kind of arc to get used to because he's been in and out of the picture the last two seasons really mostly out and he popped up like you know once a season if that yeah and so to have him there all the time will be interesting but we see kind of where his story's going when we get to episode two correct so episode two is entitled the demon of memes um, and here, the team has to investigate sort of like a slender man conspiracy that um, is allegedly causing the deaths of teenagers and their families. So if you see this image, you have seven tasks to complete or else you die. And right. I can't remember this daughter's name, Paige. The eldest one, yeah, I think it is. Okay, the eldest daughter has a friend who um, has allegedly seen this image and now he's suffering from deep depression. He won't leave his room. He won't talk to anyone except through through video chat. And he feels that, you know, if he doesn't complete this task, he's going to die. Um, so they investigate this and um, it leads them to sort of track uh, several locations throughout the city where this image has appeared and they noticed that one of the images was right in front of the house of um, deceased prison accused murderer Orson Laroe, who we know Kristen famously murdered. So they go talk to his widow uh, which is sort of strange for Kristen because you know she knows what she did um, and she sort of explains that she remembers the Carview guy being there to sort of get the Google image or whatnot. 
long story short, they discovered that this gentleman and another college student sort of like inspired to manipulate these people through this scheme online, which was very interesting. I always love how they take what seems to be a supernatural phenomenon and kind of root it in uh, happening. Yeah. Right. Um, and then apart from that, we have um, David, who has been approached by the Vatican to join like their secret service team. Yeah. <laughs> um, he called it the entity and basically they're just friends of the Vatican, but he has been recruited to sort of not only um, be a priest, of course, to fight spiritual evil, but to also combat actual wrongdoers among them. And I really love how good the writing is on this show because apparently his mission, the greater mission for this particular um, storyline goes back to one from past seasons that involved a young woman who, who they believe is a prophet who was sort of like seeing the future and stuff. Um, and that's just great. So um, he's, you know, doing secret missions um, according to this father's beck and call. And it's bringing up, you know, suspicions amongst Ben and Kristen about exactly what he's doing. So we'll see how long he can sort of hold this sort of like double life here. Um, we had that then with uh, Kristen and her family um, for Andy to come back home and quit the business. I'm not sure what their business was. Was it just rock climbing? Yeah, or something like that or traveling or yeah, I'm not really sure either. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, he and his partner went to sell the business. Unfortunately, their mortgage and bills and stuff don't really, aren't going to be taken care of for what he wants to sell it for. Um, so suddenly there's a new buyer who wants to offer him up to $800,000 for the business, but he has to make one last trek to Nepal and sort of show him the ropes. Um, he doesn't want to do it eventually, but Kristen being the practical one, as her mother describes, tells him, like, we need the money. And, and you know, I, I hate to see you go, but this needs to be done. So he he's agreed to do this. It just so happens that the buyer is none other than the rich influencer that's working with Leland and Cheryl. Right. So Leland has found a way to get back into Kristen's life through her absent-minded, not knowing what the hell's going on husband. Um, also, like we said, he tried to get rid of that shrunken head, brain, and the toilet, and unfortunately, it's not leaving, and it actually came back up, spitting blood, or flooding blood in their bathroom. Flooding, yeah. The whole, yep. A crazy scene. I think if I had been that daughter, I would not have just yelled mom. I would have been, like, running for my dear life. Yeah, yeah hell yeah, I would have. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know what's going to become of that. Obviously, they're going to try to get it fixed, but something's in there and it's going to, to wreak havoc. Um, 
And I really don't know what is going to happen to him once he leaves and meets with um, the influencer. I can't remember his name, but yeah, it's not going to be good. No, not at all. It's going to be very bad because he's offering them like 800000 and then an extra 150000 specifically right. for him to be the one to go to Nepal with him. Yeah, Right something he could not resist. Um, and Leland now has Cheryl working at an office that's focused on something very real and that many people suspect that social, um, social media platforms do often is to feed us negative stories, to keep us uh, doom scrolling, to keep us angry, keep us mad um, and distracted and sort of brooding. Um, and it's sort of like a real phenomenon because um, even recent weeks, people have sort of like explained how they had no interest in the herd in depth trial, but social media seemed to be, you know, pushing pushing it, yeah, it on their feeds. And then once you see that, you have to either read about it or strike some type of opinion, which sort of diverts your thoughts. So. Mm again them using like real world phenomenons in this in this show to depict some of the the sort of real evil things insidious things that happen beneath the surface and and that was interesting the theme of um being mean sort of like becoming more often like the people in david's uh, confessionals just confessing the sin of being angry with their spouses right. with yeah, yeah. People in the shopping mall. Um, and also another thing I picked up on was just the performing of tasks. Um, you had the kids that were doing this visiting Jack thing, um, having to complete the seven tasks. You have David submitting, submitting to doing these random tasks for the Vatican. And then Cheryl has been tasked this new job. Um, so that was something I pulled out that was interesting in this episode. Mm. You know, it's a, I think we're in for another good season with yeah. a lot of twists and turns. And th this show just has a way of like drawing you in with the creepy bits, but then you do have the funny stuff because when the whole thing happened with her youngest daughter playing the game, I thought this was gonna be her getting pulled into this hole of being depressed and needing friends and yeah this creepy guy on the internet and then you know five minutes later she's flipped the script and tells her sister i'm talking to leland i'm about to start playing games with them and then like you said it's so funny when they all get on there and then leland's like you know bugging out he's like jesus you know, this is yeah it's it's great how how they've managed to use her daughters because a lot of shows where yeah. it's sort of left them in the background right, um, right. but they've been so uh integral to a lot of plot um throughout the season and to see how much they've grown over three seasons right. like right. um they're all but, so much older that's very funny you say that because uh when her oldest daughter gets into the kind of picture i was kind of like who is she is that a different person like do they you know right get rid of the other girl but it's just yeah they've gotten older <laughs> yeah so it'll be interesting to see how they um 
continue to develop. And I noticed um, with Lexi, when she picked her avatar, it was the dragon with the tail. Another hint yeah. at sort of like yeah. the episode where she was sort of like struggling with her her um, body image and she grew a tail, quote unquote. So everything is so well connected. So yeah, we'll be back um, next week with episode three. No telling what what type of shenanigans will pop off then. Um, if you're interested, Evil premieres every Sunday on Paramount Plus. I know currently they're running a uh, offer where you can get a free trial for a month. Oh, okay. And also, the first episode is on YouTube for free, so there are chances to get um, into the show. Before we get out of here, we're streaming for the weekend. Uh, honestly, I don't have too much that I need to get into. Um, there's a show that comes on tonight on PBS called Hotel Portofino, which I'll probably watch. I'm kind of excited about that. But other than that, um, it's just movies that I need to probably actually go to the theater and watch. So, <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've wrote some things down, but there's really a lot I need to catch up on. And it's just a little ridiculous. Um, but uh, Free Florence, Maryland, Fort Salem does return this week in its final season. Uh, Showtime's Flatbush Misdemeanors comes back today, a uh, little comedy series. And then this weekend, the Black Phone finally comes in theaters. This is the Ethan Hawke um, sort of like kidnapper horror thriller for great things right. about it. It was supposed to come back out in March, but it got pushed push it this number so um hoping to see that maybe sometime this weekend i don't know mm -hmm. uh, and then next week we'll be wrapping up our any predictions with the contenders for best drama series nominations so um we're etching closer and closer to uh that emmy ceremony this september but until then keep on streaming peace This has been It's a Streamable Life, a podcast chronicling life in a peak entertainment era. Listen, share, rate, and subscribe weekly on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you get Streamable Life.